May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. This is God's word to God's people.
Now, I heard last week that John was saying that he was in competition for the longest scripture reading in an order of worship. And Don, I want to let you know that you were actually left off the hook because these three verses could have been a part of your reading last week. So it could have been a little bit longer. But in all fairness, he could have had the woman at the well, which is 43-ish verses that you would have had to read. So 14 verses was relatively light. <laughs> Thank you for your reading last week. I just like, want to tease John. As he and I sat down and talked about this, the sermon series that reflected on the post-resurrection Jesus, we read the passage in its entirety uh, from verse 1 to verse 17, or ver yeah, verse 17, and we went, there's enough information here that we have the ability to have two sermons about it. So instead of trying to cover everything in one sermon, we chose to separate it out into two sermons. Last week, John talked about the fact that God finishes what he starts, and that sometimes as you go through the journey, you come to a place that you've been before, but you're a completely different person. I want to add to that, pass, or that statement by saying that God continually offers us grace and invites us back. Now, the passage that we heard this morning is about Peter and his interaction with Jesus. And how many times can Jesus ask, ask if Peter loves him and if he will feed his sheep? Now, I think that there's some symbolism and symmetry in the fact that he does ask three times because just three chapters earlier in John chapter 18... Peter denies Jesus three times, or more accurately, he actually denies himself three times, because each time that he's asked if he is one of those followers of, of Jesus, he goes, that's not me. And I think that there's something to be said that sometimes we don't deny Jesus so much as we deny who we are and who we could possibly be when we recognize that we're God's followers, that we're followers of Christ. We have the opportunity to be in relationship with God. Jesus asked Peter three times so that each time that he said, no, it's not me, I'm not one of those followers, I'm not him, he had the ability to take that back and say, you know what, yes, I do love you. Yes, you know I love you. Jesus gave Peter the chance to reclaim his identity in Christ and find his way back to wholeness. And Christ gives him a purpose in the meantime. I see this as Peter's experience of stepping out of the flow of God's grace and stepping back in. Or stepping out of alignment with God and being readjusted just a little bit so that they could experience God's grace, or he could experience God's grace anew. Uh, this whole idea of being in line with God or being in God's flow of grace has been something that has been rumbling around in my head for a while, and I don't see Yvonne here to call her to task, but she told me an image of an art installation that she wants to create that, that shows how the light of God shines through each and every one of us. And depending on how we're positioned, we can either keep the light to ourselves or shine it on to the thing that, or the person or the place that's just outside of, of our reach that is on the other side of God in that experience. That didn't make any sense, but I think. So she, what she's told me she wants to do is take a 
one of those strawberry pots, you know those pots that have like multiple holes in them so you can have strawberries coming out, and shine a light through them and then have a whole bunch of those pots and see how far the light can go as it's shared from hole to hole with each, each being. And that's the way that our life in Christ is. God shines light through us and to us, giving us the opportunity to feel, to feel that grace and to experience the depth of God's love for us. And we have the opportunity, by just turning our perspective just the slightest bit, to either shine that light on other people or keep it all to ourselves. And sometimes we even step so far out of the picture that we're not even experiencing God's light anymore. And Jesus is always finding ways to bring that light back into our lives. This has been on my mind as the week has progressed, and I've watched for ways in, that God has opened doors and offered invitations to step back into the flow of grace and find our way home. The first opportunity that I had was on Monday when I had, had the chance to have a preview of a movie that I think is coming out this week called A Dog's Journey. It's a sequel to A Dog's Purpose, but it stands alone. And I can say that because I didn't see A Dog's Purpose. I kind of have the gist that it has Randy Quaid um, as a guy named Ethan. And other than that, I can't really tell you much about that movie. But I can tell you he reappears in this new movie as Ethan again, and now he's a grandfather. He's a grandfather married to the love of his life who he was reunited with in the earlier movie. And they are living with her daughter-in-law and, and the daughter-in-law's daughter. And the reason that they're living together is because uh, his wife's son has passed away. And they're all experiencing different forms of grief. They are together in the fact that they have the shared experience, but the ways in which they express it and experience it is different. Their daughter-in-law believes that the world is against her, that everyone's trying to steal her daughter or the inheritance money or the, um, the money from the will or the insurance policy. There we go. The money from the insurance policy. She thinks that everyone's trying to steal that or trying to claim her daughter as theirs. Her daughter never got to meet her father. And she questions throughout most of the movie, is she lovable? Can she be loved? And can she love in return? The parents in their grief are trying to honor the life and the memory of their son and trying to walk cautiously through, through the fields of the grief of their daughter-in-law so that they can be of support to one another. Throughout the movie, you have the opportunity to see the ways in which they step back from opportunities of grace or step into opportunities of grace and how, depending on how their response is, they have different experiences. I don't want to tell too much about the movie because I don't want to ruin it. It's a very sweet and endearing movie. It's a family movie, so sometimes as adults, you may go, well, that was predictable, but that's okay because kids won't necessarily think it was so predictable. It's heartwarming. You'll probably cry if you see it. Well, at least most of my friends cried as we saw it. And, and it, it was an experience. Over the course of the movie, you get to see how each responds differently. I think I covered all that. Do, 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 do. 
so the movie's actually set from the perspective of the dog. So there's not a scene that the dog's not in, but we see each of these people and how they're progressing and how they evolve and change, how they have the opportunity to claim new life for themselves, to offer forgiveness to one another and themselves, and to experience grace. It, it's a story about how some are in the flow of God's grace and some are out of the flow of God's grace and how, how they might interact with one another. On Wednesday, I had the experience of seeing someone or celebrating the life of someone who lived profoundly and distinctly in God's grace. A portion of my day on Wednesday was spent celebrating the life of Vicente Unchanco, who is one of the sponsors of Warren's and my wedding. In Filipino tradition, when you get married, you have godparents who stand up for you and do the same thing that Macy's parents and grandparents and family did in this ceremony, and we all did, promising to support support them in the journey that they're on. For us, it was promising to help, help uh, raise Macy as a person of faith. In a wedding ceremony, it's helping to nurture a couple so they know that they have a support system behind them during tough times. Ninong Vic was one of these people who stood up for us at our, weddings, our wedding and walked with us through this journey. Five years ago, Ninong was diagnosed with lung cancer, and at that time we were told he was going to have somewhere between one and two years to live. He said, he and his wife said, we are going to fight this, and we are going to have quality of life for longer than the doctors expect. They totally changed their diet, cut out all of that delicious Filipino food, you know, the lumpia and the pancit and the adobo. None of that was on their, their plan anymore, and they went purely vegan, and uh, were very intentional about the things that they did to take care of himself. Three years ago, they moved from Visalia, where they lived, down to Camarillo to be closer to their, their, family, their family down here. And they immediately got involved in their church down here. And I heard stories from the family, from the priest who was presiding over the, the service, who talked about the ways in which he took the call to feed God's sheep seriously. And usually the call was, hey guys, we're having a meal at the church and we need lumpia. And he would be standing in front of the friar for hours making lumpia for a huge congregation. That, that sanctuary was ginormous. Um, for a huge congregation would be doing it for hours despite the fact that he knew that he wasn't going to eat any of it himself. He wanted to make sure that people knew that they were loved, knew that they were supported, and wanted to nurture them to the best of their abilities. When we celebrated his life on Wednesday, over half of the people who were gathered there had driven over three and a half hours to give honor to him and support his wife, Nellie, as they bid him farewell. The other half were people from the community who had been touched by Vic and Nellie in the three short years that they had lived there because they were so generous and listened to God's spirit guiding and directing them each and every step along the way that they became part of a beloved community larger than their own family, and they truly blessed others. It was kind of a long week, because I still have another story to tell you. <laughs> On Thursday, I had a chance to go with the Adventures in Christian Growth, which is our 9 a.m. book group here at the church, 
to tour homeboy industries down in, down in LA, adjacent to Chinatown, kind of our Union Station, uh, and the like. Homeboy Industries is an organization that was established by Father Gregory Boyle decades ago when he was assigned to the area and realized that the young people in his community were struggling to figure out how to live a life that was not involved in gangs and violence and jails and prison, and he wanted to offer them new opportunities. He would find work for, for young people. He would give them the tools and the resources that they needed so that they could grow into the people that they were supposed to be. He would go visit the prisons, offer communion and worship to them, and share, share God's grace in real and tangible ways. As soon as we walked into the building, we could feel an energy and a spirit that just spoke to our core and spoke to our beings, telling us what a different environment was. It was full and packed, and every corner of the building was being used for something to allow others to have a fresh start, whether it was tattoo removals, which, by the way, tattoo removal you have to be committed to, because if you think tattoos are, are painful and you wouldn't want to get one, or you've gotten one and you know how painful they are, Think about the time that it took you to get that tattoo and multiply it by at least 15 sessions of the same exact thing. So making that commitment to remove something that affiliates you with a gang or a group that you used to be connected to is a commitment. And being washed clean is a beautiful sign of new opportunities and new hope. But they don't stop at tattoo removals. They do education. They find housing. They train you how to do skills so that you can be employed and take care of yourself. We learned about all of this from a man named Francisco who, who gave us a tour that day. And he was a humble man who who had been through a lot in his life. He asked me not to focus too much on him, so I'm going to try not to. But I was impressed by several things in his story. He, he chose to commit his life to the street and to the gangs at an early age of eight. And he said that part of the reason that he did that was because there were two things missing in his house. He was missing attention, and he was missing love. And he said, because of the fact that I wasn't getting it at home, I found a place that would give it to me. Not the best place, but a place. And the other thing that really spoke to me that almost brought me to tears as he was speaking was that he said, I know lots of people who would blame their parents for the experience that they had, but I don't blame them because they were just reliving what they had been taught from their parents. It was what they knew, it's what they continue to do, but I'm choosing to do something different. When Francisco chose to step into the doors of Homeboy Industries, he chose a different reality. He chose to step into the flow of grace, to change his life, and to have new opportunities. As we were touring around the building, he talked about how Homeboy Industries becomes like a family, it is that home, it is that nurture, it's that attention and that love that is rooted in God's grace. We were touring and we stepped into the only room that was quiet, and it turned out to be the break room, 
and no one was actually on break, but there was a, a young woman who was doing homework because she was working to get her GED. We apologize for interrupting the, the quiet of the space, and she said, it's all good, you guys are here to learn, and I'm glad that I can be a part of that learning. I, the one thing I regret is that I didn't stop to get her name. I didn't learn what her name was. But she told us that she had to walk or steal up her energy and have her resolve to step into homeboy industry three times before it finally took completely. And that's a truth. Sometimes God's grace is offered to us again and again, but we're not ready to receive it fully or entirely that first time. So she's thankful that Homeboy Industries continued to welcome her back each and every time that she went back. She learned an industry, was able to take care of herself, provide for herself. She had a child of her own. And that's when she said, I need to go back to Homeboy Industries one more time. Not because she was doing anything wrong, but she wanted to improve herself. She said, I'm going to get my GED so that I can have a better life and my daughter doesn't have to have the experience that I had. This young woman lost both of her siblings 10 years apart, both to gang violence, and it broke her heart. It hardened her, and she wanted to make sure that her daughter had a different reality and a different life. She wanted to make sure, she was looking for the strength to raise her daughter to be a strong woman who knows a different way to be and live than the way that she grew up. Francisco likened homeboy industries to good gumbo. Now my husband Warren makes gumbo every Christmas. And so when he gave us this illustration, I was like, ooh, I see it, I see it perfectly. He talked about there being a base or the roux of the gumbo that was rich and strong and full of life. I'll call that God's spirit present in that place. And then he said, you add in all of these random peoples, you know, all that different stuff that you put in there, and that adds character and depth to the meal. He was talking about how that family all merge together to be something stronger together than they were individually, living in God's grace, be, having their whole beings um, absorbed in the flow of that love. As I said, all of us who were there felt the depth, the life, and the energy of that place and how a family was established there. And here's the truth for us. God is aware of the times and the places where each and every one of us has stepped away from our identity in Christ. But God has a story to be completed, and that, allow, that includes us. When we have stepped away, when we have turned just slightly, or if we've stepped completely out of the flow, there are invitations to step back in. And it doesn't come as directly as Peter had with Jesus saying, do you love me? It comes with an interaction with a friend, with a stranger, with a door that we step through that offers us new life and new opportunities. It's interesting because in the English language is limited in some ways. The Greek has multiple words for love. The English language has one word for love. So the depth of love that Jesus is asking Peter about goes from friend love to familial love to that all-encompassing agape love of God where it is that immersion in love 
and the willingness to share that love most fully. We have a God who gives us that opportunity to be reconciled to God, but also to those who have wronged us or we may have wronged. We have the chance to reclaim our identity as many times as we need until it sticks, and we remember that we are called to extend that same grace to others, offering them home, offering them food for the body and the soul, offering a place at the table of grace so that they might experience family again. Amen? Amen. Let us let love lead.